That is the Advent theme of patience. Uh, Christmas invite cards are available on the table where Keith is uh, now. Uh, They look like that, double-sided with the service times on the back there. Uh, They're all bundled up with street names on for you to deliver to if you'd like to. So please do take a bundle if you'd like to and deliver them uh, in the next few days. That would be wonderful. Uh, We have a prayer meeting tonight. Uh, The one prayer meeting we're going to be meeting in the foyer. That's at 7 p.m. this evening. Um, We've had uh, quite a few tins of chocolates delivered, haven't we, uh, John? Um, We could do with... We've got 22. We could do another four or five tins if people feel like it. The the response has been terrific. So uh, we've we've already got about nearly two dozen tins, which would be wonderful. We could do with two dozen plus one. Um, I've just seen one appear in the congregation. Uh, We could do with three or four more just to make sure we've got plenty to go around. And I'll um, have a sign-up sheet for delivering them next week. Wonderful. Thanks, John. Uh, a message from Trish Roberts um, from, the, uh, from Pete's uh, funeral on Tuesday. She wanted to say to everybody, thank you to all who attended and for the many cards and phone calls uh, we received. It means so much. So, heartfelt thank you from Trish. Um, news I've only just heard. Uh, sad news. Um, Beryl Armitage died on Thursday. Um, I, I honestly only heard that just now, that news. Um, Beryl, uh, a dear, dear lady, um, blind and deaf, uh, who I went to see <coughs> quite a few times in the last few years, uh, lived on Pars Lane and, and moved recently to Holy Cross Care Home. Um, so sad news uh, of Beryl, but let's, um, I, I mean, her daughter's living in Peterborough, I think, isn't she? Yes, it is. Um, and I don't think it's got many, uh, many family. But let's, let's lift those uh, who um, particularly were close to Beryl uh, now, shall we? <clears throat> Father, we uh, lift to you all those who will be mourning Beryl, uh, having just heard this news of her passing. Uh, Lloyd, thank you for Beryl, uh, her bravery, her courage, her amazing stamina in the face of so many trials. And uh, we lift her family, her friends, uh, many friends amongst church here too. And uh, Lord, we in due course will be uh, giving you thanks for her life. Uh, But we honour her now as well. Mm. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to move across to the Advent candles now. and, And we're going to light two of those as it's the second Sunday in Advent. People of God, be glad. Your God delights in you, giving you joy for sadness and turning the dark to light. Be strong in hope, therefore, for your God comes to save. You are God's children. Lord, make us one in the love of Christ, today and forever. Amen. Amen. And so John's going to lead us in song now. Okay. Shall we stand? of your 
seated. And so some opening words. And so we pray together. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, 
Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ said, The first commandment is this Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is the only Lord. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The the second is this Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Amen. Lord, have mercy. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus Christ, to save us from our sins, to be our advocate in heaven and to bring us to eternal life. So we come before him to confess our sins in penitence and faith, firmly resolved to keep God's commandments and to live in love and peace with all. And so, if you respond, Lord, have mercy as appropriate. And so, turn to us again, O God, our Saviour, and let your anger cease from us. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Show us your compassion, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Your salvation is near for those that fear you, that glory may dwell in our land. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy upon you, pardon and deliver you from all your sins, confirm and strengthen you in all goodness, and keep you in life eternal, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And so again, we're going to sing a lovely Advent hymn led by John. Let's stand to sing. Yeah. 
Today, unapologetically, the focus is the Alpha Course. Well, the focus is Jesus, but uh, we're going to be thinking about the Alpha Course. And um, we're going to be running that course online from the 25th of January next year. You may be thinking, how does this affect me? Well, uh, Alpha is a course that is open to anyone, whether you've been a Christian for decades, a Christian for a few months uh, it is open to anyone, but it is especially designed for those who are thinking about uh, Christianity, thinking about who Jesus is, uh, thinking about the Christian faith and exploring the Christian faith. So today, to whet your appetite, to uh, give you some insight into what the Alpha course is like and what the Alpha videos are like that we'll be using, uh, <clears throat> we're going to watch the opening film, the very first film of the Alpha course now. Uh, it's only 21 minutes long, and uh, the, the title of it is, Is There More to Life Than This? And it features the founder of the Alpha Course, whose name is uh, Nicky Gumbel, who is the vicar of Holy Trinity in Brompton in London. Uh, just some advanced um, warning, as it were, some of the dialogue may be difficult to hear because some of the accents of the people they talk to are quite strong. Uh, and, uh, and the recording wasn't that great at that point, so just stick with it, um, and, and hopefully you'll hear that, but uh, most of the dialogue is, is clear, uh, and, and you will be able to hear it, I'm sure. Uh, before we see the film, before we watch the film, we're going to have our Bible reading uh, that Susie is going to read to us. So the Bible reading, and then we'll have the Alpha film. With permission, the reading has just been extended slightly to start at verse 5 in chapter 10 of Romans. So Romans chapter 10 from 5 to uh, 15. Moses writes this about the righteousness that is by the law. The person who does these things will live by them. But the righteousness that is by faith says, 
Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is, to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the deep, that is, to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, it is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hi, I'm Nikki. Welcome to Alpha. Life is busy. Every day we ask so many questions. What should I wear? What's the weather going to be like? What's happening today? How am I going to fit everything in? But then there are those bigger questions. Like, why am I here? Where am I heading? Is this it? Is there more to life than this? These are life's big questions, but there's rarely enough time to think them through properly. We all have different perspectives on the meaning of life and faith, and Alpha is an opportunity to explore life's big questions. This is a great place to come together and talk about them openly and honestly. I'm Gemma. I'm Toby. And this is Alpha. Um, I go on Google. Google. I definitely Google. I go on Wikipedia. Internet. I uh, scroll through all the different answers and then I try and combine it and then make my own kind of like cornerstone. Or smart friends. I don't ask big life questions. It's too hard to answer. Google or my grandmother. I meditate or I read. When I have a big life questions, I probably go to my family. I haven't really had any mess of what this. So. My mom or my dad, basically. My mom or my dad, maybe my grand. I get most of my answers from the library in any section there, because I don't really trust the people that I'm around. The key is always to yourself. you got to figure some things out for yourself. If I'm confused, I go to him first. And he confuses me more. But when it's something more personal, 
I try to find it within myself first. Friends of mine told me that the first night they came to Alpha, they sat in their car for half an hour waiting and watching people going in. And eventually when they'd seen enough normal looking people going in, they thought they'd give it a try. And one thing that might be going through your mind is, am I going to be the only one there who doesn't believe all this stuff, who's not a Christian that doesn't go to church? Well, if that's you, then you're in the right place. Alpha is designed for people who wouldn't call themselves Christians or who are not regular churchgoers. It might feel a bit strange to be discussing life and faith with people that you've never met before. But the best thing about Alpha is often the great friendships that are formed over the weeks. For much of my life, I was not remotely interested in Christianity. In fact, I don't think I'd ever come to something like Alpha. I was not brought up as a Christian. My father was a secular Jew. He was an agnostic. And my mother didn't go to church. Uh, and I had no interest at all in Christianity. First of all, I just thought it was so... Boring. Everything to me about church, Christianity, religion was just dull and dreary. And it kind of made me feel a little bit guilty. I didn't know why, but I just didn't want to have anything to do with it. And I also thought it was untrue. I, I thought I'd sort of thought it through and uh, I'd come up with these intellectual objections and I called myself, very pretentiously, I called myself a logical determinist. And I quite enjoyed arguing with people who called themselves Christians. And at university, I had a bit of a reputation for being an argumentative atheist. And I also thought it was irrelevant to my life. I couldn't see how someone who'd lived 2,000 years ago, 2,000 miles away, could have any relevance to my life today. It just seemed outdated and irrelevant. But at the same time, looking back now, I would say something was missing. I say that because... I don't think I was living in the moment. I was always looking forward to the next thing in life. So when I was at school, I was thinking, when I finish my exams, maybe that will be when I'm going to really start to enjoy life. I finished my exams, and then after about three weeks, I started to think, there's got to be more to life than this. And I thought, well, maybe when I've left school, that will be what life's all about. And then I left school, and after about three weeks, I started to think, there's got to be more to life than this. I thought, well, maybe the answer is to get a girlfriend. And somehow, I don't know how I managed it, but I managed to find a girlfriend. Okay, after about three weeks, I said, I think there's got to be more to life than this. And, and basically, there was something missing. I was longing for more. The actor Jim Carrey once said, I wish everyone could get rich and famous and have everything they've ever dreamed of, so they would know that's not the answer. Some people dream of having their name in lights, of fame and fortune. Some people dream of finding happiness through relationships, careers, money, whatever it may be. But do you ever get that niggly feeling that as good as those things are, there must be more to life? Yeah, all too often life just doesn't turn out the way we think it should. And even when it does and we achieve our wildest dreams, it's somehow never quite enough. It just doesn't satisfy. It's like there's something missing. The comedian and actor Russell Brand said, drugs and alcohol are not my problem. Reality is my problem. Drugs and alcohol are my solution to fill up a hole inside me. And Jesus said, I am the bread of life. In other words, I'm the one who fulfills the longing that's deep inside every human heart. Jesus claimed to be the one person who can satisfy that spiritual hunger. Freddie Mercury, the lead singer of the rock group Queen, had amassed a huge fortune and attracted millions of fans. But he admitted in an interview shortly before his death that he was desperately lonely. He said this... 
You can have everything in the world and still be the loneliest man, and that's the most bitter type of loneliness. Success has brought me world idolization and millions of pounds, but it's prevented me from having the one thing we all need, a loving, ongoing relationship. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Ultimately, there's only one relationship that is totally loving and goes on forever, and that's a relationship with God. And Jesus said, I am the way to that relationship. Maybe money. What makes me happy? Music. Music, ice cream, and cheese. Sleep makes me happy. No, going to the gym, see my friends, going to the club, playing football. Dogs. Alcohol. Uh, women. Pretty much. The idea of life in general makes me happy. Clothes. Uh, women. More to life than this. That's a really good question. I don't know, I can't tell you. I think we're supposed to learn a couple of things. There's nothing more. I'm still figuring that out, to be honest. Uh, no. It's live in the moment. Absolutely. I strongly believe that there's more to life than this. No idea. Sorry. <laughs> when I was about 17, I was sitting having a burger with two friends, and we were looking out the window and commenting on a few of the stores across the street, and I suddenly realized that I couldn't read any of the signs, even if I squinted. So I asked if I could borrow one of my friend's pair of glasses, and as soon as I put them on, I realized I could see everything, like colors, shapes, words. I was amazed at how everything was so clear. And I could see before, but now I could really see. And to me, that's the best way to describe the difference that Jesus makes. Jesus is the lens through which we see God. And he's also the lens by which we see the world in a totally different way. Jesus said, I am the truth. Some people's response to a Christian might be, well, it's great for you, you found meaning and purpose in your life, but it's not for me. But when you think about it, that's not actually a logical position, because if Christianity is true, it's of vital importance to every one of us. And if it's not true, it's not great for us, because it means we're deluded. C.S. Lewis was one of the great intellectual giants of the 20th century, probably best known as the author of the Chronicles of Narnia. He said this, Christianity, if false, is of no importance, and if true, of infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is moderately important. I come from a family of lawyers, so naturally I wanted to look at the original documents and sources. I never really looked at the evidence before, and I was astonished at how much evidence there is for the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. For me, it was through reading these documents that we find in the New Testament that I came to the conclusion, it's true. One of the last cases I did as a lawyer was in the Court of Appeal in front of Lord Denning, an absolutely brilliant mind, perhaps the greatest judge of the 20th century. He said on one occasion that his Bible was his most tattered book in his library. He'd examined the evidence really carefully. And he came to the conclusion, it's true. One former professor of history at Oxford University described the resurrection as the best attested fact in history. I hadn't realized how many of the pioneers of modern science were believers. Descartes, Newton, Kepler, Galileo, Locke, Copernicus, Faraday, Kelvin, Pasteur. Francis Collins, one of the greatest scientists of our time, was director of the Human Genome Project, mapping the three billion letters in the human DNA. 
considered by many to be the most significant scientific undertaking of our time. He describes how he encountered Jesus and came to believe in the truth of Christianity. Well, in the home where I grew up, uh, faith was not something that was talked about very much. Uh, my father was a professor of drama, my mother a playwright. Uh, when I went to college and those discussions in the dorm late at night about religion uh, began to occur, I had no particular reason to attach value uh, to a faith system. It had never been something I was familiar with or had internalized at all. And I assumed that any religious feelings that anyone held must be on the basis of some emotional experience, and I didn't trust those, or on the basis of some childhood indoctrination, uh, which I felt I was fortunate to have missed. I loved the experience of learning about the human body and all of the components of that, and I particularly loved being introduced to genetics. But then I ended up in the medical school curriculum sitting at the bedside of patients with diseases. This was no longer an abstract study of molecules and organ systems. These were real people. And one afternoon, one of my patients, a wonderful elderly woman, much like a grandmother, uh, who had very bad heart disease. Uh, she had a particularly bad episode of chest pain uh, while I was with her. She got through it, and at the end of that, explained to me how her faith was the thing that helped her in that situation. She realized that the doctors around her weren't really giving her that much help, but her faith was. And after she finished her own very personal description uh, of that faith, she turned to me, and I had been silent, and she looked at me quizzically, and she said, what do you believe, doctor? And ultimately, I had to admit to myself that her question had made me realize that I had arrived at an answer to the most important issue that we humans ever deal with. Is there a God? And I had arrived there without ever really looking at the evidence. And I was supposed to be a scientist. If there's one thing scientists claim they do is to arrive at conclusions based upon evidence. And I hadn't taken the trouble to do that. I was greatly assisted uh, by a pastor who lived down the road who I went and asked about all this and who gave me a copy of C.S. Lewis's wonderful book, Mere Christianity. Because here was an Oxford scholar, a prodigiously developed intellect, who had traveled the same path. Within those pages, I realized for the first time that one can come to belief on a rational basis and that, in fact, given the many pointers that one sees around oneself in terms of the universe and it having a beginning and its fine-tuning in terms of the way in which all those constants that determine the behavior of matter and energy seem to have been set just in a certain very precise range to make life possible, uh, and many other things, including my beloved mathematics and why they actually work anyway to describe the universe, something that makes you think the creator must have been a mathematician. That brought me then to the person of Jesus Christ as a person who was historically extremely well documented. That was news to me. I thought Christ was as much myth as history, and I realized after reading more about it, this was a historical figure upon which we have a great deal of evidence for his existence and his teachings, and even his rising from the dead in a literal way. That day at uh, my patient's bedside started a journey for me, a journey that I was reluctant uh, to begin, but I felt I needed to, a journey that I thought would result in strengthening my atheism, 
but to my surprise, resulted in my conversion. There's a difference between knowing facts about someone and really knowing them personally. Now, I've known my husband, Phil, for three years now, but suppose if before we met, I found him on a website called The Amazing Man. Now, there's no doubt I would have looked at him and thought, okay, I'm intrigued. But what if each page was dedicated to his amazing abilities, his sparkling personality, his tender heart, his extraordinary intelligence, and his cooking abilities? Well, I would think, wow, he does sound like an amazing person. But that's head knowledge. But I also have the privilege of being married to him, and I know that he's an amazing person, which is knowledge that comes from the experience of a relationship, and that's heart knowledge. When Jesus said, I am the truth, he was talking about more than just a kind of intellectual truth. The Hebrew understanding of truth was truth as experienced. And there's a big difference between a kind of intellectual knowledge and a personal knowledge between your head and your heart. So when someone says, I know Jesus is the truth, they're not just talking about being convinced of the evidence. They're also talking about experiencing a relationship with the risen Jesus Christ. So Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and lastly, he said, I am the life. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Jesus came to deal with the things in our lives that stop us from enjoying life to the full, the things that spoil our lives. I hate shopping. I loathe it. I, I think I'm allergic to shopping. But occasionally, my wife Pippa persuades me to go shopping. And just after Christmas... Uh, it was the sales, and she persuaded me to go shopping. We went into the shop, and we bought this very nice new sweater, the uh, same colour as all my other sweaters. And um, we left the shop, and we went to buy a present for her. And we went into this ghastly shop. It was so crowded. It was unbelievable. And even Pippa had had enough, and she said, OK, we're leaving. So we went to leave. And as we left, the security alarm went off. And the security guys moved in very quickly, and they stopped us all from leaving. And, like, the crowd that was trying to leave was stopped, and the crowd that was trying to come in was stopped. And we were there right in the middle. Uh, the six of us who were going through the security at that one time were all taken off and sectioned off from all the rest. And they wanted to see which one of the six of us had set off the alarm. So they sent one of them through, and that was fine. They obviously hadn't set it off. Then they sent the next one through. They offered your hand and set it off. Then the third. Then the fourth. None of them set it off. So it was left with Pippa and I were standing there. And I thought, oh, my goodness, I'm married to a shoplifter. It must be Pippa who's got set off the alarm. So they sent her through. And she didn't set it off. So I thought, oh, my goodness, I've obviously got something. Someone must have planted something on me. I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to be sent to prison. All the crowd were watching, both sides. They were just watching this criminal who'd been caught going through. So they went through, and as I went through, the alarm went off. They took me to the side. They opened up my rucksack on my back, and there they found this sweater from the other shop with the tag still on it. I felt so guilty. That was like false guilt. I also sometimes experience true feelings of guilt because I do things that are not right, that are not good. And this is the wonderful news that God loves you and he loves me. God came in the person of his son, Jesus Christ, to die for you and for me. And on the cross, he took all of your guilt 
all of my guilt, everything you've ever done wrong, everything I've ever done wrong, said wrong, thought wrong, and he died in our place in order that we could be forgiven. And forgiveness, C.S. Lewis said, it's like a, a recording of our life, wiped completely clean. And when we receive that forgiveness, we find life and life in all its fullness. And that's what Jesus wants for you and for me. Life in all its fullness. Life at its very, very best. I think for so many years, you know, I always just strive to be strong in myself. And it was as if that all I needed was me and my buddies and, you know, would be like invincible. But the truth is, none of us are. And I don't want to do this thing called life. I don't want to do it on my own. And it kind of feels like my longing for this, this light inside is now stronger than my fear of what others might think. And people often ask, well, doesn't that make uh, faith like a crutch? And, you know, well, maybe, but, you know, what does a crutch do? Uh, a crutch helps you stand and it makes you stronger. And in that case, you know, sure, I need a bit of that. But especially when it's so much more than that, when this faith inside is also, also like a backbone, uh, helping me stand tall and helping me be strong when I'm really up against it, facing those odds, whether it's on a mountain or stuck in some jungle or just dealing with the storms, you know, with the storms of life. Uh, sure, I need it, I, you know, I, I need that. Uh, but at heart, my Christian faith says that I am, that I'm known, that I'm known to Christ. Uh, bought at a price, uh, blessed with light. Uh, faith says that we're loved, regardless of our mess, uh, regardless of how many times we fall down, and that Jesus somehow picks me up. And sure, you know, I'll reach out to that. Why, why wouldn't I? I used to think Christianity was boring, untrue, and irrelevant. But when I read about Jesus, I realized he was anything but. Jesus said he's the way to God. He's the one who brings meaning and purpose to your life. He said he's the truth. He said he's the life, that true fulfillment is found in a relationship with God through him. Alpha is a place where you can be yourself. You can say what you think and challenge everything. Now, no question is too complex or too simple. And what your point of view is, is as important as anyone else's. And over the weeks ahead, we are going on a journey together, an adventure to explore the questions of life, faith, and meaning. Think of it this way. If you live to be 70, you're going to spend 20 years and three months asleep, 10 years and five months watching TV, five years and nine months in some form of transportation, seven years and six months eating and drinking, have approximately 570,000 hours left to live. So why not spend less than 24 of them asking life's biggest questions? Welcome to Alpha. Okay, so that's the first programme. We're not going to watch the rest of them, don't worry. But uh, <laughs> there's, uh, there's quite a few more programmes. What I want to do, though, is just to go through a few slides just very quickly 
and um, explain how we're going to run this course. So I've got a few slides, if we can have those, Ian, thank you. Have we got the alpha slides at all? Alpha PowerPoint? No? Okay. Basically, I'll try and, I'll try and turn it off the top of my head. Um, so basically, we're going to run it from the 25th of January, and we're going to do it online. The reason we're doing it online is because uh, we did it online for the wellbeing course, and uh, we found that people uh, logged on easily, and they could log on anywhere from home, uh, wherever they happened to be. And not only that, we also found that they were uh, anywhere in the country, and also we had somebody from South America who was, who was doing the wellbeing course. So in, in that way, doing it online means you can access the course wherever you are. You don't have to leave your home. You can be in your living room. You can be wherever you are to access the course. So that's one of the reasons we're doing it online. Um, it's also it's easy as well. I mean, I, I think these days, Zoom, for many of us, if not all of us, has become second nature. So I think it's, you know, to log on now to something online isn't a particularly difficult thing. Um, so that's what we're doing. We're doing it, we're doing it online. Uh, in terms of people doing the course and how we're going to lead it, um, John Farrow and I are going to be leading it, so I'm going to be the overall leader. John Farrow's assistant leader. So if I have to go somewhere else on one of the nights that it's on, uh, John can sort of deputise for me. Uh, Sue Heinsen has very... Uh, um, I'm very grateful to Sue to, to be the prayer coordinator. So Sue will be heading up the prayer side of the Alpha course, and anybody who uh, wants to be involved in praying for it, Sue will be coordinating that side of things. Uh, we have a tech team um, already lined up and ready. Um, and that is involving particularly Mark... Uh, and Ian and others as well, and Aidan, um, in the technical side of things. So that is all sorted. We do have some small group leaders. Uh, we're not sure how many people are going to do the course, obviously, so that will then uh, determine how many small groups we need to be, to be leading online. But we have some small group leaders already. Uh, we need some more assistant discussion group leaders. So if that's something you particularly feel that you might be involved with or might think about doing, uh, those will be alongside the small group leaders in the small groups online and helping the discussions along because it's all discussion-based. That's what we, uh, you know, people like discussing or what we hopefully would like discussing the videos that we have. So if you're thinking about that side of things, please do have a word with me uh, or John Farrow and, and talk about that with us. We'll very gladly discuss that with you. How else can you be involved? Well, you can be involved in however you want to be involved in this. You can be very much on the sidelines watching, or you can be very much in the middle helping and doing stuff. But everybody's involved because hopefully everybody's got somebody that they are, they are a friend who's a not yet Christian. And you can be praying for that person to do the Alpha course. Uh, so if nothing else, please be praying about that and, and pray about who you might invite to do the course online. You can get involved in the praying for it. Sue Heisen, I'd say, is leading that. Uh, you can be involved in the, in the actual running of the course online. So everybody can be involved in this, even if it's simply just sort of, you know, supporting it uh, and praying for it. I think that's probably all I wanted to say in terms of the course itself. But has anybody got any burning questions you just want to ask me now about? I'm absolutely fine if you want a question, um, questions at all, anybody? Okay. Well, there's flyers um, already available. They look like that. Um, hopefully you got one as you, as you came in. So it's got the start date, 
7.30, uh, tickets available soon. So that just to remind you uh, that this is coming up. So please do take that and be praying uh, for this as it gets underway in January. Okay, so we're going back to... Uh, now we're going to say an affirmation of faith together. And this is uh, affirmation number five. It's on the screen. And so let's say this together. Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. He was buried. He was raised to life on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Afterwards, he appeared to his followers and to all the apostles. This we have received and this we believe. Amen. And so we now come to our prayers. And if you have the slide on here that you had on just a moment ago with the, the water and the pebble. And I want you to imagine a, a little pebble, a little stone going to some water. And what happens? The ripples go out from the center out towards the end, uh, out towards the edges. So uh, these are uh, ripple prayers. And when I say God of creation, God of salvation, please would you respond, hear the prayers of our hearts. God of creation, God of salvation, hear the prayers of our hearts. So shall we pray. As we imagine, as we picture the pebble dropping into the water, we pray firstly for those who are closest to us. We pray for our immediate family and closest friends. We pray for our church family here at Christchurch. For people's health. For their needs. For their joys and fears. God of creation. God of salvation. Hear the prayers of our hearts. As the ripples go out a little bit more, we pray for our extended family and friends who we might not see each week. Praying for their health and well-being. And praying for those we support in prayer who are serving God overseas. God of creation, God of salvation, hear the prayers of our hearts. As the ripples reach out further afield, we pray for those who we only have contact maybe annually or less, praying for a blessing on them this Advent time. God of creation, God of salvation, Hear the prayers of our hearts. And as the ripples reach their furthest points, we pray for this world and its people. For politicians, those in the media, those who, are, who have influence in whatever sphere.
God of creation, God of salvation, who prepares my hearts. Oh God, you are the one who, speak to, who speaks to us through thunder and whisper, who loves us as if there were none but one of us to love. We thank you for your love in Jesus' name. Amen. And so we're going to share the peace now, the peace that Jesus has won for us by dying on the cross and his resurrection to new life. So may the peace of the Lord be always with you. Let's stand, wave, greet each other with a sign of God's peace. And so John is going to lead us in our next song before we have communion. Oh, God. 
We're using Eucharistic prayer E. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Father, you made the world and love your creation. You gave your Son, Jesus Christ, to be our Saviour. His dying and rising have set us free from sin and death. And so we gladly thank you with saints and angels praising you and saying, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. We praise and bless you, loving Father, through Jesus Christ our Lord. And as we obey his command, send your Holy Spirit, the broken bread and wine outpoured, may be for us the body and blood of your dear Son. On the night before he died, he had supper with his friends, and taking bread, he praised you. He broke the bread, gave it to them and said, Take and eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. At the end of supper, he took the cup of wine. Again he praised you. He gave it to them and said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. So, Father, we remember all that Jesus did. In him we plead with confidence his sacrifice made once for all upon the cross. Bringing before you the bread of life and the cup of salvation, we proclaim his death and resurrection until he comes again. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Lord of all life, help us to work together for that day when your kingdom comes and justice and mercy will be seen in all the earth. Look with favour on your people. Gather us in your loving arms and bring us with all the saints to feast at your table in heaven. Through Christ and with Christ and in Christ, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honour and glory are yours, O loving Father, for ever and ever. Amen. As our Saviour has taught us, so we pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. We break the spread to share in the body of Christ. Though we are many, we are one body, because we all share in one bread. Draw near with faith. Receive the body of our Lord Jesus Christ which he gave for you and his blood which he shed for you. Eat and drink in remembrance that Christ died for you and feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving.
didn't want heaven without us. So Jesus, you brought heaven down. My sin was great, your love was greater. What could separate us now? What a wonderful name it is. What a wonderful name it is, the name of Jesus Christ my King. What a wonderful name it is, nothing compares to this. What a wonderful name it is, the name of Jesus. Death could not hold you, the veil tore before you, you silenced the boast of sin and grave. The heavens are roaring, the praise of your glory, for you are raised to life again. You have no have no rival now and forever God you reign yours is the kingdom yours is the glory yours is the name above all names what a powerful name it is what a powerful name it is the name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a powerful name it is. Nothing compares to this. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus. What a wonderful name it is, the name of Jesus.
the body of Christ given for you. Amen. Blood of Christ shed for you. Amen. And so we pray this prayer together, following communion. Almighty God, we thank you for feeding us with the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him we offer you our souls and bodies to be a living sacrifice. Send us out in the power of your Spirit to live and work to your praise and glory. Amen. Let's uh, pray for the housebound as well. Uh, particularly being asked to pray for Tony Matthews and Joyce Kitty. So let's, let's lift them to the Lord. Father, we lift our friends, members of our church family to you who are in uh, nursing homes around this town. Particularly we lift to you Tony Matthews uh, and Joyce Kitty and others that we know of uh, in various places uh, in this town, where they are. Lord, we, we know you are with them. We pray your blessing upon them, your presence to be with them uh, throughout the day, throughout the night. In Jesus' name, amen. And so our final hymn, uh, a wonderful hymn, Lo, He Comes, with clouds ascending. Let's stand to sing together.
Amen. Before the final blessing, Libby's just got a notice to give. Thank you, Peter. Delighted this morning. How can they hear without someone preaching to them? Yesterday morning we had mag prayers. We prayed for Martin, who, as you know, is working in Kenya even as we speak, working to train pastures to reach the unreached. And he had the most amazing message for us today to say, yesterday, to say how well it was going. But we, we continue to pray because these men that he's talking to, it hadn't really occurred to them how big the problem was. So we pray for Martin. We also pray for Rachel, who's out there in Tansen, joining us yesterday. She's back in the UK, helping to tie up the ends of her father's estate. So we pray for Rachel again. Let's just pray for those two people. Father, we thank you for Martin. We thank you that you have given him a gifting of listening to you and listening to your words of wisdom. And we pray that as he speaks to these men this next 10 days or so, that you would be in those conversations, that you would inspire those men to take your gospel to reach the unreached in Kenya. And we pray, Father, for uh, Rachel as she wraps up her father's estate. Lord, we pray your blessing on your peace on her today. And we pray for them both, Lord, that they would be able to return safely to their homes in England and in Tamsen. Lord, we pray your blessing on them now. In Jesus' name, amen. At the back of the church, in the foyer, we have the Mag Christmas cards out. Please do sign them before you go. Uh, encourage the people that we support from our church on the mission field. Bless you. Thank you, Peter. A little bird tells me it's your birthday today, John. Is that right? No. <laughs> I mean, I'd ask you to play, but I don't want to ask you to play on your own birthday. So shall we, shall we just sing a happy birthday to, to John? Happy birthday to you. So a blessing.